let you down. So I thought this morning I would preach into that. And because it's a question a lot of people are asking at the moment. You know, if you say to them, has life let you down? Almost everybody would say, yes, at some point, somehow, life has let me down. I want to remind you, uh, my text for this morning's message is Jeremiah 29, 11. We know this verse well, but it's so important. Where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. You see, we are not here by accident. So many people feel that life has let them down. And in a society like ours, everyone is looking for someone to blame. Do you notice that? If you can, everybody blames everybody else for everything. Parents, friends, drugs, upbringing, race, gender, bad luck, good luck. You know, they blame everything. In fact, many blame God, thinking either he's too busy to care or he doesn't care about them at all to make their life successful. So today I want to look at this question, has life let you down? and find out what it really means. You see, we all grow up with great expectations. Remember that old Oliver, was it Charles Dickens classic, great expectations? That's what we have, great expectations. When we are kids, even before we're born, people who love us us have expectations for us. The Bible says that God has expectations for us as well. He has a destiny for our lives. We are not born randomly. We are not the product of chance. We are people of destiny. Do I hear an amen to that? You know, oftentimes people will say, oh, this is, this is my youngest, youngest boy, he's, he's our little accident. He's not an accident. You know, he's, he's, he's planned for purpose by God. We have purpose. None of us are flukes. None of us are accidents. <coughs> Jeremiah chapter 1, if you have your Bible there, verse 5, beautiful verse. It, it says this, God speaking to Jeremiah, he says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before he was born. God had a plan for Jeremiah before he was even born. God had this plan where he said, even before you're born, I have a plan for you. Then you go to Psalm 193, uh, sorry, 139. David writes this, For you formed my inner parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You see, this is why I am an anti-abortionist. Not because I don't care about women's rights, but because I care about babies. And because the Bible says that before Jeremiah was formed in the womb, God knew him. Life starts at conception. Abortion is murder, I believe. And perhaps even greater, perhaps even the greater sin than taking a life is the loss of potential for that life. You know, all all these, they'll talk about a statistics, how many millions of babies have been murdered. But what about the loss of, what about all those lives that could have been? Isn't that worth something? We're not just talking about babies or fetuses or little bits of flesh. We're talking about humanity with the potential to do great things for God. Great things for life. But it is, it is snuffed out in our society many times. The most dangerous place is not on the road, it's in the womb. So from the womb to the grave, people have expectations of us. <clears throat> and we also have expectations of ourselves. You think about it. I, no child I've ever spoken to, and I say, what do you want to be when you grow up? None of them have said, well, I'd like to become a drug addict and live homeless on the streets. They don't say that. 
They've got a hope for their life as well. I want to do so. I want to become a, you know, a doctor or a lawyer. No one wants to become a lawyer. Okay. I want to, you know, I want to become a pastor. I want to become all of these things that they want to be. But none of them is, is a failure. You know, our parents don't want us to grow up and say, what do you want for your child? Well, I, I hope they grow up and become a murderer or a rapist. That'd be good. You know, no one says that. Because we start with good expectations, both from our parents, from the people who love us, and from ourselves. So all of us are born with great expectations. However, somewhere along the line, something is lost. And what we want for our lives is destroyed. But whose fault is that? Who should we blame? for the way our lives turn out. So let's talk about who to blame. Now, blaming has been around since creation. You know, like, like if you think about back in the Garden of Eden, Adam sinned and he changed his destiny along with the destiny of every person that would ever live from him on. And uh, of course, if you remember the old joke, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake, snake didn't have a leg to stand on. That's the old joke, but it's true. They all blame. Oh, let's look at the verse. Genesis 3, verse 12 says this, the man said... This is what the man said. The woman whom you gave me, God, let's get it straight, it's probably your fault because you gave me the woman. The woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And she said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so everybody's pointing down the line to somebody else because we love to blame other people. We don't like to accept responsibility. There's a very wise verse Proverbs 19 verse 3, Solomon writes this, when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. That absolutely sums up our society right now, doesn't it? Everybody is angry at God, angry at, you know, at, at, at everybody else, but it's, it says when a man's folly brings his way to ruin, so we're the ones who make the decision, but our heart rages against God. God, why did you let this happen to me? I think of, if you, if you remember the old film Fiddler on the Roof, remember that? It's about uh, uh, Jewish people in Russia, and uh, is it uh, Te- Tevlov? Tev- anyway, whatever the main guy's name is, he says, what is it? Topol, Topol thank you. Um, he says, you know, Lord, I know where you're chosen people, but you have to choose us every time. Because that's, you know, he's blaming God for all of the things that are coming against him. So even when we've made the bad decisions, we still blame God for how it all works out, or somebody else if we can. In our society, we always find someone to blame. Parents are blamed a lot. Upbringing are common targets. You know, I was born into the wrong family, into the wrong country, into the wrong, you know, to the wrong parents or on the wrong side of the tracks. And the media reinforces this, the government compensates for this, and the courts recognise and celebrate this because that's how our society works. We shift blame all the time. And we don't accept it for ourselves. And to be fair, there's an element of truth in it. it. There is. You know, bad parenting does create delinquents. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear myself talk to my, my kids or my grandkids, and I cringe because it sounds like my mum and dad. Have you ever experienced that? And it's like, you kind of go, hey, and then you say, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm repeating history here. This is not good, you know. But we are, we're products of our upbringing and shaped by our society. This is why I'm so burdened for the future generations of our nation, because we are messing them up right now. The stuff coming through our schools is going, you won't see the deadly effects of this for probably 10 or 15 years fully. But then we will be a mess, an utter mess. 
because we're teaching our kids the wrong thing in school. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And it's true. If you get good training, somehow it draws you back. But does the way we've been brought up dissolve us from all blame for what happens with our life? Are we purely a product of what's done to us or do we have choices? Well, I would argue that we have choices. I believe you are destiny's child. People talk about destiny like it was some external force coming our way, something outside of us that forces us into a mold and destiny hits us and we have to go a certain way. It's fate. It's destiny. You know, it's destiny that we should meet. Have you ever tried that one, guys? It's destiny that we should meet. Or they talk about karma. You know, karma is not a Christian concept. Right? Karma is, is that, that, you know, that whatever you do, you get punished for in your next life, in your next life. That's not a Christian concept. You know, I, I, I heard about uh, a Buddhist went to a priest. He said, my karma just ran over your dogma. You know, <laughs> that's the only time I use karma. Because it's, you know, it's this idea that it's external and it's coming to, and we don't have any, we don't have any say in it. We don't have any way of changing it. But the Bible teaches us that destiny is not a neutral external force. It is a series of choices. Your decisions determine your destiny. Not the universe, not your karma, not your angel or whatever else you think is out there. Your decisions determine your destiny. And you will never fulfill your destiny until you step up and take responsibility for your own decisions. Choices carry consequences. You cannot dissociate them. You can make a choice. You're allowed to make the choice, but you cannot choose the consequences of your choice. I'll say it again. You can make a choice, but you can't choose the consequences of that choice. They choose you. And let's make it clear. God is in your corner. He is your cheer squad. He isn't out to get you. He isn't out to zap you and bring you down and ruin your life. He is out to prosper you and not cause you harm. He is out, out to give you a hope and a future. But it doesn't, it's, it's not completely independent of your decisions. Have you tried to control a child who is walking away? Um, I, I saw a photo the other day on Facebook of a guy who had, had, had leashes on five children that he was walking. And people were getting upset at him. But he said, I've got five children. If they go five ways, what do I do? So he had five kind of little, little leash things on them. You know, but, but see, the thing is, we, you know, if you go your own way, how can you blame God for, not, for you not reaching your destiny when you never walked with him? You walked your own way. Our decisions determine our destiny. God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. See, God has a plan for your life, and circumstances do not dictate this plan nor can they foil it unless you make wrong decisions. Let me say that again. Your destiny does not depend on circumstances. It depends on decisions. Don't bother trying to convince God that someone else is to blame because he knows everything. And he knows the buck stops with you and, and your decisions and me and my decisions. Now, uh, so there's this fabulous verse in Deuteronomy which, which says, now choose life because destiny hinges on the decisions you make. It is possible to turn a life that is heading to destruction around with a single decision. There is always hope, no matter where you are from, no matter where, what you've done, no matter what 
lot in life you've had, there is always hope for you to reach your destiny. You can, if you start making the right decisions, you start moving towards your destiny. So these next few minutes could be the most important minutes of your life. Your decisions determines your destiny, for good or bad, for life or death. Deuteronomy 39 says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. And in case you can't figure it out, God's next words are this, Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants might live. See, the decisions you make don't just affect you. They affect people around you. They affect people who come after you. They affect your children and your grandchildren for generations to come. That's how powerful decisions can be. It all rests on you making the right choices. So let's examine what this means from Scripture. Because I want to have a look at, at two, two phases of this, destiny lost and destiny regained. So let's have a look at destiny lost first. The funny thing is right now, if you talk to people in society right now, they will tell you that they are quite uneasy, that things are not right in this world and they don't see a future, but they refuse to change. Have you noticed that? No, one, no one's at peace with where the world is going right now. Everybody's mad about something. And, and yet in all of that, they don't want to change what they're doing. We can see bad things coming, but refuse to change. Do you remember in the book of Daniel, King Belshazzar, and, and a hand appeared and the writing was on the wall. We even use that phrase today, the writing's on the wall. What does it mean? It means destiny's coming and like a freight train and you can't stop it because you, can't, you won't repent. He, that was written on the wall. His father got, sorry, grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, got a year to repent, and he did. Belshazzar got one night, and he didn't. That very night, he died when the writing was on the wall. So people today, are, we're standing around looking at this world thinking, something's, judgment's coming down the line, and we don't know what it is. People are not sure of where we're going, but they feel uneasy because they know it's coming and they can't affect it. But we as Christians, we know who's coming. And we can affect it because we can make right decisions. And we know that Jesus is returning. I was talking to someone just this week. They said, you don't actually believe that Jesus is going to return, do you? I said, I absolutely do. I said, you don't believe he's... he's you believe he's not going to return? Am I right? And they said, well, I'm just not sure. I said, well, I am sure. Because all of the things he's promised, they're starting to line up here, guys. And Jesus is coming back. We need to keep our eyes on that and not the stuff that's going on around us. Even as Christians and believers, even as believers, folks, listen to this. If you choose badly, you will lose your destiny. You may not lose your salvation, but you will lose your destiny. Let's have a look at some examples. Let's look at King Saul. <coughs> Israel's first king was King Saul. Now, he was tall, he was good-looking. Um, he, he was strong, he was brave, he, he looked like an excellent choice. And when he took the throne, everything looked fantastic. But Saul had a problem that no one foresaw. He thought he knew better than God. God gave Saul a great destiny to be king over his people, but God gave him some very specific orders, and Saul usurped the prophet Samuel and disobeyed time and again. Then you probably remember the story where he'd offered sacrifice and, and, and where he hadn't wiped out the Amalekites as he'd been asked to do. And so when, when he was confronted with it, he lied and he tried to blame the people. 
The people made me do it, you know. And then he covered it over with religious sacrifices, but God had had enough. This guy just kept disobeying, disobeying, disobeying all the way down the line. And then it says this. He said, but look, I've built this altar. I've made this, I've done this fantastic thing. Look at this religious stuff I've done. And Samuel says to him in 1 Samuel 15, 22, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed or to listen is better than the fat of rams. For the rebellion, for rebellion is as the sin of divination. Now the sin of divination is a pretty big sin. But God lumps it in with rebellion. So he's pretty serious about, about obedience. And presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. And that was it. Disobedience caused Saul to lose his destiny. Here's another king, Uzziah. Uh, Uzziah was another king. He was a good king. He was an obedient king because he made wise choices and in obedience he won many battles and he was greatly blessed. In 2 Chronicles 26 it says this, but when he was strong, notice this, when he was strong, not when he was an up-and-comer, but when he got there, when he was kind of, hey, look how good I'm doing, when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the, of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, Uzziah, <coughs> he decided to disobey God and usurp the priest's responsibilities. God was very strict on this. Priests did, did the religious stuff, kings did their stuff. But Uzziah said, I'm not going to worry about that stuff, I'm going to take their job as well as mine. And he disobeyed God. And when challenged by the priest, he angrily responded with pride. And then we read this in 2 Chronicles 26, verse 19. When Uzziah was angry, sorry, then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of all the priests and in the house of the Lord. And he remained a leper until the day he died, ostracized from his people. He had, to, he had to rule in absentia because he could not join in with his community. He lost his destiny. What about Solomon? Arguably, arguably the greatest king that Israel ever had. Certainly the, the most successful and wealthiest. He started well. He was David's son. He started well. God chose to let him build the temple and not his father. And, and he, remember the encounter that he had with God in 1 Kings 3 where God says to him, Whatever you ask for, I'll give you. And wisely, for such a young man, he chose wisdom. <coughs> ask God for wisdom over life, fame, and riches. And it says this in, in, in verse 12. God says, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, which is what he asked for, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no king shall compare with you all of your days. You see, King Solomon asked for wisdom, he got the lot, because his heart was good at that point. Thus Solomon excelled, it goes on to say, with all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom, and in the whole earth, the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his mind. They came from everywhere to listen to this guy. He was a hero, he was a celebrity, he was rich, he was powerful, he was famous, he had it all. However, after years of obedience and prosperity, Solomon chose to disobey. 
And he chose to disobey because he fell in love with the wrong girls. I get so mad at Solomon because I think he had like 300 wives and 600 concubines, which are kind of wives. And I th- does that make you angry? What makes I, I, I think he's crazy. To have 900 wives. You know what's even crazier? He's got 900 mother-in-laws. This guy's supposed to be wise. I don't get it. It says this, 1 Kings 11 verse 4, When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away from uh, uh, after other gods, and his heart was not truly whole to the Lord his God. See, he lost his destiny, and the kingdom lost their destiny because he started making bad choices. So if we make the wrong choice, we lose our destiny. But let's talk about making right choices. Let's cheer it up a bit here. You can overcome a rough start. You see, it's not how we start, but how we end. And while your choices can cause you to lose your destiny, the right choices can cause your destiny to unfold before you, regardless of how tough your start was. Uh, If you've had difficult times in the past, if you've made poor choices, I've got great news for you this morning. If you start making right choices, you can move towards your destiny. I don't care how bad they've been. I've sat with guys in prison who are murderers, who made right choices and their life started to change because God is a powerful God. And it's about committing your heart to Him and making right choices. So let's talk about destiny regained. We cannot control what happens. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, but we can control how we respond to bad things even when what happens to us is a disaster. Let's have a look at Joseph. Now, you know Joseph, <coughs> Technicolor dream coat and all that sort of stuff. He was prideful because he was the favoured child and his, his brothers didn't like him and they sold him into slavery. He was persecuted, unjustly accused by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison, neglected and forgotten. And in all of this, his heart could have raged against the Lord, but it didn't because he chose to honour the Lord no matter what. And because he chose to be righteous and godly, God miraculously raised him up to greatness. You might remember God lifted Joseph directly from prison to become the prime minister in one act because he had a supernatural gift on his life. And and he gave Joseph that gift and that is what accelerated his, his greatness and God moved him into an incredible destiny that would save a nation. Key guy. Genesis 41 the Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? The Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as your command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. He became the second most powerful man in the most powerful country on earth at that time because God moved him into his destiny. Why? Because he made right decisions. When God raised Joseph up, you can see the fruit of those decisions when his brothers, the scene depicted here, when his brothers are there and reveals to them that he's actually Joseph, that they sold into slavery so long ago. He said this to his brothers. They thought he he was going to, man, he's going to kill us for sure. We sold him into slavery. But he says this, Genesis 45 verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, he said to the brothers, but God. 
He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and rulers of all Egypt. See, he didn't blame his brothers. He, he had his brothers. He had forgiveness for them. Why? Because he was making right, right choices, right decisions. He was listening to God and being obedient. What about Moses? We talk a lot about Moses, but, you know, long before Charlton Heston, there was Moses. And I'll admit, Moses started as a basket case. But then he became a prince. Sorry, I'm, I'm on fire this morning. What can I say? <laughs> but then he became a prince. Okay, you remember the story. But he lost his destiny because of a bad choice. He attacked an Egyptian and killed him. That saw him spend 40 years in the desert, 40 years tending sheep, one third of his life in the back blocks, being a zero. Some of you have made bad decisions and you've suffered for that four years. Some of you have made bad decisions and you're still reaping the consequences of those today. I'm telling you it's time for that to stop. I'm telling you, if you start making the right decision today, your destiny will start to unfold in a way you would not even believe. But don't live in the past. Make the past pass at last. Because God still has a destiny if you come to him. Moses reminds us that if we make the right decisions, we can regain a destiny lost. Exodus 3 verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called to him from the burning bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. See, God called Moses and Moses said, yes, Lord. Okay, he argued a bit back and forth, but he said, yes, Lord. He could have said, go away. He could have said, I, I, I don't want anything to do with that. He could have said, that doesn't meet fire regulations. I don't, he could have said anything, but he said, Lord, here am I. Here I am. Moses made a decision to hear and not ignore God. And it changed his life forever. And you remember, he goes and he saw miracles he was the saviour of his people. He saw his nation move into the promised land, uh, well, got right to the edge of it. A lifetime could have been wasted on one decision, but it was restored because he made the right decision. What about Daniel? See, Daniel's another one who said, look, I had a terrible upbringing. I mean, he was taken from his home country. He was imprisoned. He was, he was sent to Babylon. He, he was a prisoner. He was picked out and he was subjected to a harsh and evil culture, but he rose to become the most powerful and famous person in the land that, that he was living in. Babylon tried to, to, tried to make them take the food and culture, but Daniel and his friends refused to conform. So he decided instead of to be a conformer, he decided to be a transformer. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. And he stood on his decision. So after many decisions that honoured God, and you remember the various things, he was the one who spoke uh, to Belshazzar, as we mentioned, the writing on the wall, spoke to Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, his friends were thrown into the fiery furnace. They survived that. Incredible story. I love the book of Daniel. It's pretty awesome. But in Daniel 6.3, it says this. This Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. What's an excellent spirit? It's a godly spirit. You know, people look at, at people who are truly Christians, truly believers, and they say, you're such a nice guy. You're such a nice girl. You're so lovely. The number of people who say to us, oh, it's so, so great that you've done, you know, started Lily House and all that. So we're just being obedient. We're no better or worse than anyone else. We're just being obedient. You know, but they, they see this, this in your life. And they're attracted to it, even if they're not attracted to God. They see something in you. 
So the king planned, it says here, to set, set him over the whole kingdom. But when King Darius ordered that no one may pray any prayer other than to, to his God, Daniel could have compromised, but he didn't. He got right up on his rooftop, opened the windows, let everybody see. I'm going to smash this out, guys. I'm going to hit fire with fire. I am sick of Christians backing down in this world. I'm sick of people who say that they are believers compromising to fit in. Daniel didn't. He didn't do it. He just went right out there and said, look, here I am, have a shot. And they did. His decision looked like certain death. They took him, they threw him in a lion's den, but God honoured his decision and saved him. In Daniel 6, 22, it says, says this, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. You see, a single decision to remain faithful in the face of all that tyranny saw Daniel move into an incredible destiny that we still talk about today as a leader in the society where he should have been a captor. So it's incredible, isn't it? He should have been captive in this place. He becomes the leader. Why? Because he moved into his destiny because he was obedient. What about Gideon? Gideon was another, he started out meek and mild. He was threshing uh, uh, grain in a wine press because he was so frightened that they would find him ke keeping the grain. The Midianites had taken over, over the place. And, uh, and a, a, an angel of the Lord appeared in Judges 6 verse 12 and said, said, appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Here he is, Danny, <laughs> mighty man of valor. He's sitting there winnowing, you know. But see, the, the, despite how scared and weak he was, God saw something in Gideon. He saw a destiny in Gideon, and God sees a destiny in you. Doesn't matter what you've done. You might be meek and mild and, and sitting there and putting up barriers around you to try and protect. Come to God. Bring it to God, because God sees destiny in us that no one else can. And then he's facing this huge Midianite army. And Gideon rocks up with 32,000 men against, against, I don't know, 100,000 plus men. And God says, well, that's way too many, 32,000. So he whittles it down to 10,000. Then from 10,000 down to 300. So 300 men are going to take on this incredible army. But Judges 7 verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand save me. See, God knows what people are like. That's why I love the miracles that he's doing at Ignite because they're so off the scale that no one can claim responsibility. Don't you love that? It's just God. I was sharing it with someone who's an unbeliever during the week. They said, that's incredible. I said, no, it's not. It's just God. They said, well, I've never heard of that before. I said, yeah, but you don't know God. He does this all the time. The decision to be faithful was when Gideon defeated the enemy and moved into his destiny, the, dis the destiny that God had for him. Now, interestingly, if you read right through to the end of the story of Gideon, he then loses his destiny because pride gets to him. In Judges 8.27, it says, Gideon made an ephod and put it in this city in, in Ophrah. Ophrah? Ophrah? Um, then all Israel hoard after it there and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. You know, when I read about Gideon, I'm reminded that if you start badly or if you start tough or something if you make the right decisions God can move you into your destiny but if you then make the wrong decisions you can blow it it all comes down to our decisions decisions determine destiny your destiny is not something external that happens to you 
that you just have to suffer with or put up with. Your decisions determine your destiny. And so I cannot finish with asking you, without asking you this morning to respond to God's call to make right decisions. It all hinges on your decision. You can make a bad decision like, uh, like Saul, Uzziah, Solomon, or you can make good ones like, like Joseph, Moses, Dan- Daniel, uh, and Gideon, and you can discover amazing destinies that God had prepared for them. You know, God has prepared for your life as well. If you want to do something significant in, with your life, this is a great place to be because stuff is happening all the time and you can start seeing God use you in amazing ways, in ways that will last for eternity. If you go out there and earn money, it'll be gone as soon as you die. But if you invest in eternity, it will live forever. This is where it's at. It's what's most important. Regardless of what has gone before, regardless of what's happened to you, the money, the reputation, the people you might have lost right now, you are responsible for your choices and your decisions. Therefore, you are responsible for your destiny. And God sees a destiny in you that not even you can see. Not, not even anyone else can see, but God sees it. Um, there was a, a rock collector called Rob Cutsraw. He found a, a, a blue rock. He thought it was pretty and big. You can see he was from the south. And um, he, he, thought, he, he thought, this looks this is a nice-looking blue rock. And so he thought he, he put it under his bed. In case he needed the money, he would hope that he could sell it for around $500. When he eventually hit on hard times he brought it out he brought it to a friend who was a gemsmith turns out that this rock is called this now called the star of david sapphire it is worth millions and it is 2111 carat now i'm not a i'm not a bunny but that's a lot of carrots <laughs> so i'd say it's pretty valuable he was he had it under his bed the whole time he had this incredible rock under his bed the whole time. That's it there. The whole time. He didn't know what he had. He couldn't see his destiny. But God could. And so I want to encourage you today. That we started with this verse. I want to finish with it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Let me add this. But it depends on you being obedient depends on your choices if you decide to obey the lord this morning he promises that he will prosper you he will he will use you for his glory he will care for you he will give you a hope and a future these verses that we read here in jeremiah were given to a nation that was in exile they were down they were sitting by the rivers of babylon and they weren't singing that song they were miserable and 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 god doesn't stop there though We often look at that verse and we stop there, but there's a second and third verse after that. Listen to what he goes on to say. So if we make the right decisions, right? If we make the right decisions, he promises to give us a hope and a future. But listen to this next bit. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We forget that bit. You seek God with all your heart and your destiny will change forever. I guarantee you. Then it says this, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you in exile. He will restore the destiny you lost. 
So I don't know where you're at in your life tonight or this morning. And this afternoon, we're going to talk into this more and share more around it. But I know some of you here once had such promise, once had such dreams in your heart of what you could do with your life, and you've lost it. And I believe this morning God wants to restore that to you. Do I hear an amen to that? Some of you here may be moving into your destiny and you're fine, but some of you here have lost it. And it's time for us to let the past go and to look to the Lord for the future because He can make it happen. Would you bow your heads? If you had a destiny... If you had something where you, you, you felt that God was calling you into, if you wanted to do something with your life, then I believe this morning the Lord is going to restore your destiny. It is not too late. I declare to you that because of certain decisions, your destiny may have been lost, but if you make the right decisions, I declare to you today that it is not too late to repent and to move into a destiny that God has for you. It is not too late for you to regain that destiny and have it restored. If you are here today, maybe you've wandered away from God. Maybe you've just grown stale. This is the morning we say, Lord, I make a decision to draw near to you. Perhaps you've struggled to find him in this busy world. I declare to you today that this same God is searching for you in that busy world. And he has plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Take a few moments, search your heart. The Bible says, search me, O God. Take a few moments to search your heart. How many have lost our destiny along the way? How many have failed to live up to the dreams we once had? If that's you, I'm going to ask you just where you are to raise your hand. If you feel like you've, you've lost your destiny, it'll be many of you here, don't worry. We're not perfect. Just, feel, just raise your hand where you are. I'm not going to bring you forward this morning. I'll just, this is between you and God. But some of you here, I know you've struggled with this. This is the moment where we're going to say, Lord, I give it to you. Just, just, just raise your hand up and put it down. Are there any more? Yeah? Are there any more? I believe God is drawing you into a great destiny. And you're in a great place to reach your great destiny. But it depends on decisions. So I'm going to lead you in a, in a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. And together we will see our destinies restored. Just say these words, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for wandering away, for making wrong decisions, but this morning, I make the decision to obey you. Restore my destiny, Lord, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I can't let this morning finish without asking you to commit your life to him because he is the one in whom our whole destiny is. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, pray this with me now and we'll do it together. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. I turn away from my sin to you 
and ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Spirit. And thank you for life everlasting.